I'm Steve Dania and this is the My Pride Playlist Pridecast from Virgin Radio Pride. In each episode, we speak to a member of the LGBTQ plus community and go through tracks that have soundtracked their lives. Now, due to rights reasons, the music is shorter than the original broadcast, but it's still great. Enjoy. The Virgin Radio Pridecast, proudly supported by Disney Plus, celebrating every colour of the rainbow. We've got a really special My Pride playlist tonight on Virgin Radio Pride. I'm Steve Daniel. I'm joined by journalist, presenter, trailblazing author. She's the first trans columnist for Vogue and presenter on Channel 4. She's paved the way for so many others. Paris Lees. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thanks Thank for you so me. much for joining us. What a privilege to talk about music. I love music. So I'm really looking forward to this. I can really tell because the effort you've put into these tracks, you gave me like a full Spotify list as well with all these specific versions. This is great. Well, th- I'm, I'm, this is what I do with my, with my evening. <laughs> I, make, I, I make Spotify playlists for when I'm not listening to Virgin Radio. So here we are. So you've given me this great list of songs and it's quite, kind of quite an eclectic uh, list when I look at the artists and the different songs as well. Did it take you a long time to put these together? Well, kind of, yeah, because I don't really... Ha- I mean, I don't have ten favourite songs. It all depends. Some days you wake up and you're just like, my God, I just love ABBA. They're just so good. And then <laughs> yeah. other days, you know, I'm listening to Debussy or, you know, it, it's just like, what mood are you in? Where are you going? How do you feel? You know, so I've picked ten little songs that um have little stories have meaning for me and are kind of a starting point for having some conversations about you know things that i'm passionate about or, or moments in my life we've got so i've got because i've read the book so many things i want to ask you i'm sure you're going to come up with all these stories as well let's start with the first song then so this this goes back to well quite a way back it's the cars isn't it it's the cars so i've, I've done them i've done them chronologically so the oldest we're starting with the oldest song and we're finishing with the most recent but that's not necessarily how they appear in my okay in my timeline i actually discovered this song about six years ago right um and it was an ex-boyfriend ex-boyf- and his parents were sort of ex-hippies um, in in Kentish Town and um, they were cool and they liked bands and they did music production and things and um, he was quite knowledgeable about sort of like old bands and stuff and he showed me this really cool cover um, of Just What I Needed by The Cars which is just a great way to start off any playlist actually um, but it was it was a cover by Punch Brothers on YouTube right. um, but I, I, I don't know if we can get that or if we're going to listen to the original but both are absolutely brilliant and um, it was just really sweet because we were very much it was one of those sort of like bright burning relationships that was just absolutely brilliant for about six months and was just doomed to uh, it was just doomed, doomed to fail um, but he was very sweet and he used to write me love songs and he he said that I was just what he needed, and I can tell you I was the last thing that he needed. But it was <laughs> very it. sweet in the moment. It was very nice in the moment. But I did push that man to his limit ultimately. So are you still in touch? Oh no, we still no. I I get on really well with my exes. But yeah, I remember because when we met, and he was like, you know, because I was like, I have this habit of like pushing people, you know. And he was like, no, I'm I'm really I'm really easygoing. You know, it's really hard to make me angry. I was like, okay, we'll see about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, let's listen to it. Let's listen to it. The cars. Mm-hmm. 
It's the Cars on Virgin Radio Pride. This is my Pride playlist. I'm Steve Dania. I'm joined by Paris Lees tonight. And the next track is brilliant. I am so up for hearing this again. It's Eurythmics, Who's That Girl? Tell me everything about this. My mum absolutely loves the Eurythmics and... When I was a kid, she always used to play Annie Lennox's Diva album. Oh, amazing. Medusa. And, um, yeah, just I really got into Annie Lennox through through my mum. And my mum used to do, like, really quite, like, heavy makeup as well. And, you know, when you're a kid and you get a little bit confused and I was like I thought that my mum was like Annie Lennox because she sort of like looked like her on the cover of the Diva <laughs> album so when I hear it, although mum doesn't sound anything like Annie Lennox like even t- talking or singing or anything like it just reminds me of my mum and um, I, I had to have an 80s track in here is that I, th- I guess the cars are probably 80s as well but I just love I just love 80s I've just always been obsessed with the 80s and it just I don't know like it just seemed like this really 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 colourful amazing period and, and I knew that like my mum and dad had lived through it and I was uh, just to me just like the gender bending and everything because things got really kind of like minimal and a little bit boring like in the 90s and the noughties in, in some ways and I just I was just really obsessed with new wave and new romantic yeah. and all of that kind of thing the 80s so. was kind of like a mood wasn't it when you listen to this song it kind of puts you in a you it's, know in a place it's a vibe it's a total vibe and and also i've realized because i put together a playlist and my housemate was like you like it's like a sinister beat i like anything that sounds a little bit sinister so a couple of tracks in this are a bit sinister and this has got a bit of a bit of a sinister synth pop edge and you grew up in, am I right in saying Nottinghamshire, wasn't it? I grew up in an ex-mining town in Nottinghamshire, which I didn't realise was the countryside until I left and went to live in the city. Yeah. And it was only, like, really in the past few years that I was like, oh, yeah, there was, like, cows and fields and <laughs> farmers and things. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of sweet, but I didn't... I wasn't terribly happy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fair to say I was you know I've talked about this a lot but you know I was bullied violently and um, I don't know I guess like a lot of people who feel like they don't fit in you're sort of you're drawn to your imaginative life you know you're drawn to the media and and to music and arts and just any way of escaping really and I think that music is such a wonderful way of escaping it's so evocative and it and it creates all of these sort of soundscapes in your mind and it's just so I'm I've, I feel like I'm very very sensitive to music I'm not saying I've got like great music taste I, I like what I like so mm. and I don't care um but I just I, I I I never fell out of that teenage sort of like obsession with music I was really interested um to hear the story about even when you were aged four you knew that you know you weren't in the right body and there was a story that you said to a friend that i'm a girl is that right yeah and i remember that this this older girl she she said ah oh have you heard what he said and she she shouted over to these lads that were um just across the way on the swings and um it's one of my earliest memories and i and i think it was just the first time that I realised the way that I see myself is not the way other people see me. Yeah. And that this was a problem. And, mm. and, and, and I, and I see now it was, well, it, I felt shamed, you know, I remembered that memory because I thought I'd done something wrong. And honestly, that's been the theme of my life, you know, that people have made me feel like I'm, I'm doing something wrong or causing some kind of problem because 
this is the way that I see myself. So kind of sad, really, as an early, early memory. But um, yeah. Eurythmics, Who's That Girl on Virgin Radio Prod. I'm Steve Denier. This is my prior playlist tonight. I'm joined by trailblazing journalist, author, TV presenter and picker of really great songs. Paris Lees is here. You know, it's Paris. It's amazing that from a very, very early age, you like you were saying a moment ago, you knew who you were. Most adult trans people that you ask will say, I just knew. I, I, I just don't know how I just knew. Um, and that's certainly true for me. So when they talk about all of this, oh, you know, kids and they shouldn't, you know, I did a talk the other day, right? And I, I it was, it was, it was like a corporate event, and it was people who were in uh, financial manager. I think it was like um, pension schemes and stuff. Mm. So they're kind of pale um, male, you know, guys, middle aged, kind of, you know, I'm going to say probably conservative voters. And then, you know, I'm talking about the fact, you know, I was bullied at school and I didn't feel safe at home and I was taken advantage of by predatory older men. And, you know, then I was abused in the street as an adult. And then you get messed about by the NHS and then you feel like you want to kill yourself. So, you know, you do this talk and then at the end people go, oh, great talk. But what do you think about, you know, it's confusing for kids, isn't it? Having these all these gender options on Facebook. Right. I'm concerned about that. And it's like... What part of my story are you not hearing? Because you cannot pressure to be a, a child to be something that they're not. If, yeah. it, if it worked like that, I would still be a boy. It would yeah. be so simple. People just say, no, you're a boy. And and I think the insulting thing about that is that you are less interested, not you, but, you know, I often find that people that I'm talking to, they're less interested than the very real pain and violence and discrimination that I've been through yeah. than their imagined fears of, oh, you know, oh, we think this might cause problems. They'd rather talk about their hypothetical concerns than do anything to change the conditions that made me and, and make so many other vulnerable LGBT young people feel like they don't want to be here anymore, mm. you know. So it's just frustrating. Do you think a lot of it comes from people, A, not understanding, and B, being scared? Because... Human beings are funny when they don't get things or they, they're scared of things. They tend to lash out and say stuff, don't they? Listen, right, I, I totally get... People get freaked out by things that are different, right? And you don't have to understand me. You don't have to like... You can think that people like me are a bit weird, you don't get it. That's fine, right? But just leave us alone, you know? And I think that... Um, <laughs> when I'm being generous I'll say oh it's just it's ignorance you know and we're less than 1% of the population it's just you know something that people don't understand but um, my friend Abigail Thorne the actor and YouTuber mm. she she, I was chatting to her last night and she was talking about how it's this manufactured ignorance actually where we 
people who are not trans really have to work really hard to pretend that they don't know what's going on. Right? right. So if I say to you, you know, somebody in your family says to you, I'm trans, I'm coming out as trans, right? And and they do that, mm. you're worried for them, you know. Even even if you're like a, you know, somebody who's very hostile to the trans community, you'd probably be worried for that family yeah. member. Now, why would you be worried for them? Would you be worried that they're going to suddenly become a sexual predator? Or that they're going to start stealing Olympic medals off people? No. You're worried for them because you know that they will be at risk of violence and discrimination yeah. and that their life may well be miserable. So when people pretend that they don't understand what is happening in this country and what life is for trans people. Mm. It's a lie. They know they know what's happening. They know how this community is being treated and they don't want to do anything about it, you know? So th this is this is what I want to shift the conversation to. It's not talking about any of the imagined or, you know, very rare hypothetical cases of where the including trans people may cause problems for the rest of society. As I say, trans people are like less than one percent of the population. You know, we are not we're not causing all these terrible problems. Uh, you know, let's talk about the very real problems that we face. And I've lived it. You know, my book is a fact. Mm -hmm. That's it's not an opinion. It's not a political debate. That that was my reality. And I challenge anybody to read it and and not get to the end of that and say. Clearly, this was somebody who needed a lot more support and we're letting these kids down. Sorry, I'm having a bit of a rant here, but I really want to just quickly talk about this. There was a lovely boy, I think he's called Riley, 12 years old. His mother described him as really sweet and caring and gentle. And he'd been getting bullied at school. He, he, I mean, who knows what, who or what he is at that age, but there'd been this question over his sexuality. So he'd been experiencing homophobic abuse and he was really worried about going back to school after the lockdown and they'd been out of school. Mm. He killed himself last year. Wow. So everything that I went through, feeling afraid to go to school, feeling afraid to go home, is absolutely still relevant today, even if you've got a supportive, loving family. So shocking, you know, isn't it? And, and it just breaks my heart. And what are we going to do to make sure that these kids are not sitting there feeling so frightened to go to school that they want to kill themselves? And and, and that's that's all I'm really interested in talking about. Not Brilliant. The rest is noise. OK, that's great. Let's get back to some music. Yes, got um, a bit heavy, didn't it? No, there's so many things. The great thing, I'm, I'm going to speak loads about the book. The book's so brilliant because it's very funny as well. And I really got to, I, th I think, I thought that I know I knew you even before you came in from the book and hearing your voice and stuff. So it's it's, it's kind of a genius bit of work, I think. Thank I really, you. really enjoyed it. Thank but we're, we're, I'll speak more about that. The next song, this is amazing. This is kind of of like liquid early 90s isn't it oh my gosh yeah so like i just absolutely love rave and hardcore yeah. and like it i grew up on a council estate right so obviously i wasn't old enough to to be going to the rave thing but even from like a very young age i was very aware that the kind of like the older kids and the teenagers were all doing this thing. <laughs> there was something in the air. You know, they were all having all of this fun and it was all a bit mysterious and they were going off to this strange place and having these... And, and, and I was just fascinated by it. And I think that... I just love the music anyway. It's trans it's transportive. It's 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 just it's just a vibe, but it also it reminds me of my childhood and it also reminds me of this sort of I don't know what's the word, like this sort of like mythologized, do you know? Like I, I first started going 
sneaking out way too young into nightclubs in the early noughties. Right. And I thought, oh, God, the early... The 90s... Like, oh, God, it's like 10 years ago. It was so long ago. And I look back on it now and I realise a lot of those adults that I was out partying with, they'd been there since the rave scene and there was still <laughs> some of that energy, actually, and that sort of, you know, like Ledette culture and yeah. just peace and love. And I just... I'm just obsessed with the rave scene. And when you read the comments on YouTube of people that were actually there... It's just, I would give anything to have a time machine and be able to go back and go raving. It's liquid, sweet harmony. I haven't had that for so many years. Great pick by my guests tonight on my pro playlist on Virgin Radio Pride. Steve Daniel here, joined by Paris Lees. Now, your next pick is, well, it's Madonna, isn't it? And what does Madonna mean to you? Well, listen, when I was at school, everybody was into Beyonce and um, Britney Spears. Mm. And I think that... I don't know, really. I just, I just thought she was really cool, and I, well, I suppose it's the fact that she comes across as very strong, and if you don't feel strong, you're attracted to people who sort of project power, um, you know. And she was still dropping number one hits, you know, when I was at school. She's doing um, music, don't tell me, um, you know, and then American Life and everything. So she was still very much, you know, like the the biggest pop star in the world, and probably probably still is, isn't she? Really, you know, and so many of her contemporaries are not around, but I, I, I just love Madonna I mean who doesn't love a bit of Madonna and I think this is her best track by far and it's just it's so moody and it's so different to anything else that was around and I think it was like I don't know it's like the first time that I'd really heard something on the radio and it really sort of like penetrated and just I just fell in love with it and it was just I, I, I want pop to be orchestral again. There's so, there was so much orchestral pop in the 90s. There's a great um, Depeche Mode song. Um, I think it's called I've Lost It Now. It's gone. But there, there was, you know, there was Richard Ashcraft and yeah. there was Radio. And there was, I just, I bring back orchestral pop. There we go. That's a statement. Are you aware lots of people credit, have credited Madonna on this show for her stance on LGBTQ plus matters? The very fact that, like, during the AIDS pandemic, she shone a light. Um, I think there was, like, um, a safe sex message in the Like a Prayer album back in the day. And with the sex album as well, she showed kind of gay sex in a positive light when back then it was very, very dark. And she was a role model to a lot of people who didn't have any role models. Are you aware of any of that stuff? Because it was possibly before your time. Yeah, it was a bit before me. I was sort of like, I was, when she was sort of like, you know, hanging around a Valley G and stuff. Yeah. So I didn't really necessarily understand that stuff until a bit later. But I think it's, you know, listen, whether you like Madonna or not, the fact of the matter is she's absolutely influenced the way that, we we act and we behave and we think about women and sex and, and expression. You know, she she did influence the culture. There's just no two ways about it. Um, and um, yeah, she's. I mean, she's just a legend, isn't she?
Madonna and Frozen on Virgin Radio Pride. This is my Pride playlist on a Monday night. I'm Steve Dania. Paris Lees is with me. We're going to get straight straight into your next track, which is Planet Perfecto. Now, this, if I'm right thinking, is from the late 90s. You would have been kind of early teens. What was what was your life like? When I was very young, I was, you know, wanting to express myself like a girl and I, I just simply didn't understand why it was an issue for people and my family would say you know you can't do this like you're a boy you've got boys bits because you were wearing girls clothes weren't you yeah well, well for a bit yeah like when I was kind of young and you know my mum was quite relaxed actually and she would get me Polly Pockets and I had like a Mulan doll and like um Jasmine and yeah. Belle from Beauty and the Beast and stuff so and that that wasn't necessarily an issue but then when I was sort of like nine or ten, I, I got sent to live with my dad and um, he got rid of all of my, my, he got all of my toys, you know, most of which were Christmas presents from my mum's side of the family mm. and t- t- took them away and put them in tip or something. Or because he didn't understand? Because he didn't he want me playing with girls, girls' toys. Wow. So imagine that, taking kids' yeah, toys. Yeah. All of my Polly pockets, all of my dolls, all of my... Anything pink or girly. It's really sad, isn't it? Yeah, it was horrible. It was really, 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 really... You know, it's, and obviously as an adult now, it's just like, oh, dear, you know, they took your toys away. But as a kid, you no, just like... No, that stuff sticks with you. It was like, horrible. You were, yeah. And it, people had spent money on them and they were Christmas presents and I loved them. They you were know, your I loved toys. Them. They were my toys. I loved them and I feel so sad and I've I've often thought you know should, should I go back and buy them and try and find them on eBay but I'm just like <laughs> no I'm over it now it's fine the moment's it's passed. fine the moment's <laughs> passed but but yeah so I think that then it was really sort of like hammered into me you know you've got to be a boy and then I think as you get a little bit older as well you realise oh actually this is people really not cool with this and yeah. you go off to sort of comprehensive school and you do want to fit in and actually the last thing that you want is to sort of stick out but then um, puberty kicks in and because I didn't feel particularly close with my family I didn't really feel like I got anything to lose so I've got friends who come from like quite nice stable middle class families mm. and they didn't come out as trans until like in their late 20s because they were um, they felt they got this sort of like love that they were worried might be conditional whereas I was just like um I've I've been told that I'm a problem. There's something wrong with me from a young age. So I'll just do what I like. Perfecto on Virgin Radio Pride. It's Steve Denny here. My guest tonight is Paris Lees. Now, Paris, for people who don't know your story, you were you were born a boy. Can you just give me, just in case that someone hasn't read the book, the chronology? Well, I guess what well, the the book really starts um, in the in the, in the in the teenagers, which is where it all kicks off, really. 
um, and just feeling really, really unhappy and just desperate for sort of validation and finding that in nightclubs, finding that in dance music. And this was like before the this is this is how old I'm. It's like before the smoking ban. Would you believe? And I actually remember people smoking in clubs. Like seriously, I need to be put in a museum or something. But like no. you know, and then it was before the financial crash and everything. And it's and I was too way too young to be in this because by the way, um, but it but it was it did have a different atmosphere and people and it was more of a thing. Right, people went out on Friday nights. Mm. And it was before people got booze and stuff so much from the supermarket. It's like people went out on Friday nights, they went out on Saturday nights, they went out on Sunday nights, mm. and um, and, and the clubs were packed. Back the then clubs as well, were packed, and it was it was it was it was you know that it wasn't the rave scene, but it was it was its own thing, and it mm. was it was it was it was it was it, that was its own vibe, and and I was very happy to have been there, and then you know started hanging around with older people that would taking advantage of me you know I'd get into cars meet guys in toilets who were older than me predatory older men who would sort of take advantage of me um I thought I knew what I was doing you know I was just so desperate for somebody to make me feel like I've got some kind of value and Mm. you know I didn't I didn't never feel I never felt safe in my hometown I, I I grew up feeling like there was something wrong with me that I was less than other people that I was a pervert, I was mentally ill, that that essentially I was like a half person, I wasn't as good as everybody else. And so then you you go into a context where people like you because you're young and because you'll do things that uh, you shouldn't have been doing Mm. and they validate you for that, then it's sad, isn't it? You know, sad. And we see a lot of vulnerable young people who are, you know, we, we know sadly that there are, these predatory older men out there that, that that will take advantage but you know it wasn't it wasn't all a sub story but i did end up taking a lot of drugs had a lot of fun mm-hmm. as well by the way um got into quite a bit of trouble and then ended up in prison yeah it's, it's yeah. an amazing amazing story it's a lot isn't it you've had a lot going on and a lot to process let's go into kelly Rowland's stole now shall we that's the next song i've got down here kelly Rowland stole so i wouldn't even say this is like my favorite song but i've just kind of been getting into listening to a bit of uh early 2000s r&b yeah and hip-hop again um so i was listening i've been listening to Khalees. i've been listening to um tony braxton he wasn't man enough for me i think Great. it was one of the first things that first record cds that i bought cds for god's sake um <laughs> do you have uh, a portable cd player i did i had a sony walk that i took everywhere with me and it would skip like if you if you skipped yeah. if you skipped it would skip if you just so. move the whole track finishes within like a second didn't it it's yeah like- but this is the thing it's like so specific because i feel like sort of like records were around for longer and then cassettes were around for a while and i guess cds were around for a while but yeah. those personal cd they just feel so specific to the millennium you yeah. know so now we've got it all in the palm of our hands that's the thing isn't it it's amazing i love that though I love, this, I love just going in and discover because that's when i went in and discovered like all of the 80s stuff like um because you, you don't have to buy you just go in just look somebody up and think okay i've heard of david bowie Let's go and look at his back catalogue. And I read, I read something recently that showed that millennials and the generation below, is it Gen Z? Yeah, yeah, um, are, love nostalgic. They love music from before their era because um, it makes us just feel safe and, and reminds us of what we perceive to be simpler times. Mm. Whether they really were, who knows? You know, but. Um, I don't, do you feel like life felt simpler before? Absolutely. Like I said, I, there were people saying that they've never witnessed such a like hardcore 
news cycle that's around at the minute, especially after the pandemic as yeah, well. Yeah. I mean, how did you cope? I must ask you about the pandemic. We've just come out of it, but during the lockdowns and everything, was that tough for you? Yeah, well, my housemate moved out actually to move in with his girlfriend, which is fair enough. Um, but yeah, it just essentially meant that I was on my own in my apartment. Wow. And I don't really like people, so. Oh, really? On, I was going to ask you this. You're not a people, you seem an, good with people. I'm an introvert. I can do it. I can get up on a stage and I can hold a room and I can you know, talk to people. And you, you'd think that I was an extrovert if you saw me on a night out, but I need a lot of time to myself. So I'm going to, I'm going to level with you. Like, that first month of lockdown, I've never known peace like it. I was sleeping for like 10 hours a day. My house was really clean. I just, I it, I, I didn't want to come out of it. But then obviously... The novelty. Even a cactus needs watering occasionally, right? And yeah, a couple of months in and it's like, okay, this is not so cute now. So it was, I mean, we've had a really weird two years, right? Yeah. But one of the things that I did, one of the really great things to come out of it is that I, I got a bike... And uh, I, I've got really fit and I, I go on these midnight bike rides around London now, which yeah. is just, and I listen to music. It's like, it's, it's, it's integral to the experience. And um, it's, I, I kind of feel like it's my new clubbing, actually. I get the same, the same feeling of, I want to go out tonight. Yeah. But it's on my bike and it's just, I don't know, it's just a very intense. Where do you, you know, cycle? Well, I, I go down to, because uh, I live near Canary Wharf, so I'll go down to the Cutty Sark. Oh, lovely. And the Greenwich. National Maritime Museum, oh, which is so spooky at night. And actually in the summer, it's gorgeous because everybody's out. It's always like good vibes. And even if there's no, it's just a really lovely round trip. And yeah. I just, and I just listen. So a lot of my music is kind of like, in my in my playlist like some of it I, I like dark music I like music to listen to at night by candle I've been listening to like a lot of like Jean-Michel Jean okay like yeah. by, by candlelight yeah so it's I, a lot of my music is nighttime music mm. yeah Kelly Rowland and Soul on Virgin Radio Pride. I'm Steve Dania. My Pride playlist guest tonight is Paris Lees. Tell me about your book, Paris. I finished it. I loved it. How long did it take you to write it? It actually taken me seven years because I wanted it to be just right. And um, How, so you wrote the. Did you know that it was? Did you have a publisher before you wrote the book? How did that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So honestly, God knows why they put up with me, but they waited seven years for it. So you had the idea, and then you're like, right, I've got to, I've just got to piece this together and put it together. How did it work? It went off in different directions. It's a bit like when you try and close on, and you end up wearing the first thing that you tried on. It was, I had all of these different things I wanted to do with it, but I kept coming back to this, this, this voice of Byron, which is the sort of the 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 name I've given to myself for the for the era of you know being a teenager basically yeah um, you know and being very gender fluid and it's a very 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 so it's not like a sort of right up until the present day story it's a very very specific moment in 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 time um, because it felt very specific to me and it was really difficult going back and revisiting it you know and I've I've been in a lot of therapy and I had a lot of resentment that I was dealing with for people in my family and 
You know, really, I had to tell a story that I could live with, mm. if that makes sense. That was you know, true to you as well. Yeah, because I'm trying to make sense of, of what happened to me, which sounds, you know, very like California, like sort of like new age therapy kind of thing. But like genuinely, like there were so many different factors that went into making my childhood so unhappy you know like so like so many different like the the you know financially psychologically the political you know all of these different things and just trying to make sense of it and make sense of how i got to where i am today and you know i i saw a great quote online which was um i always forget the name of the activist but he's saying you know the work of our adult lives as lgbt people is to work out which parts of our identity or are authentic and which parts are coping mechanisms that we developed to deal with living in a world that's hostile to us yeah and i think that's absolutely true and i've done a lot i'm in recovery um i i'm an addict and i've i've been in recovery for five years i've i've done a hell of a lot of therapy and um i think a lot of therapy is actually just to you know trying to make sense of what's happened to you and actually try and find some meaning in it and mm. actually you know tell a story that that uh, where you can see a path forward to write the next chapter yeah um and i, I think storytelling is really cathartic and i love telling stories and, and it, I, it, this all sounds really heavy and i'm so glad that you said that the book's funny because it was also really funny and i feel like when i come and do these interviews and do news it's always like really heavy stuff no, 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 talking about great, but... bullying but you know there was a lot of joy and fun as well and i wanted to document through that. the darkness there's obviously light that, and it is, and it's you know I can I can see you when I'm reading the, the words if you know if that yeah. you must I must quickly ask you you must have had some terrific feedback I can only imagine how your book has helped other people. Yeah, I think you know I really I just wanted to tell a good story you know and obviously I knew that it would it would have a resonance for for a particular community in particular um, and. I just really hope that it will increase empathy for people who, who don't understand because ultimately it is really hard to sort of put yourself in somebody's shoes, you know. I always use this stupid example, but, like, I didn't realise like, how upsetting it is when a pet dies. Mm. And then my cat died and I realised all those times that people told me that their dog had died, I, I didn't really understand what they were going through. Yeah. So how do you empathise with somebody when it's, like, for most people, the idea that you'd have an operation or, do, you know, change, it, it's just that they couldn't think of anything more th worse, you know. So it's, it, people just don't get it. So I just hope if people can just read it and have just an inkling of, of, of what it was like to be that kind of person at that time. And it, and it was, you know, I'm going to talk about her in a bit, but my friend Steffi, um, you know, she said that is how it was. You know, it was a very specific moment in history to be a trans woman, you know, in a trans girl in a working class environment at the, at the, at, at the dawn of a new millennium. And um, she said, you know, cause, cause I said, you know, to, is it? Do you mind me sharing our shenanigans with the world? And she was like, "If you don't do it, I'd have had to have written it." Like yeah. you know, people need to know what went down. Yeah, it's just too. It's just too good mm -hmm. and too bad as well. You know, there's a lot of drama and life there, and I'm I'm glad I've documented it. Yeah, actually. it's a brilliant read. Thank but you. I've said it five times, Thank but it really good. is. Well, I love it. This is great for my PR campaign. Um, let's go on to, we'll, we'll get back to music. Gorillas, um, tell me about, we'll play this now and you can tell me about it afterwards. Yeah, so tell me um, why you've picked this as your next song. 
I just I picked it because I thought it might be a good opportunity to talk about the fact that we may be the last people on Earth <laughs> okay. due to the impending climate apocalypse. Yes. Are we the last living souls? Are we the last living souls? Are we the It's the Gorillas on Virgin Radio Pride. This is my Pride playlist. I'm Steve Denier. I'm sat with Paris Lees. We're rustling through these songs. What have you got next on your list? Yeah, well, yeah, totally. And, you know, I I was on a train the other day uh, coming back from another one of my talks and, um, you know, I was speaking to, you know, really nice, really educated, professional, you know, really nice people. Mm. And one of the guys was saying, you know, you're never too young to start thinking about having a pension scheme and I was like, I'm sure that that's very sound advice in normal times. But honestly, I don't think that there's going to be a society as we know it in 30 years. And he said, you don't really think that, do you? And I, I, I said, yeah, I do. I think we're on the, 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 the point of societal collapse. And then the woman next to him says, oh, well, I, I think a lot of that's overblown. And, you know, the other guy just looks at me like I'm absolutely crazy. And we, we get off the train and they go off and they go off to buy their evening meal in, you know, Marks and Spencer's or wherever. Yeah. Um, probably just thinking, oh, she's so eccentric and, you know, worrying over nothing. Meanwhile, Japan currently is suffering the worst uh, heat wave that it's had since records began in 1875. Mm. And uh, f- nearly 5,000 people have been taken to hospital with symptoms of heat stroke and exhaustion. Um, birds are dropping out of the sky in Spain because these chicks are trying, they're so hot, they're jumping out of the nest and there's hundreds of birds lining the streets. Italy could lose up to 40% of its fruit and vegetable harvest this year and nobody's talking about it. Mm. So I am worried. I'm very worried about that. And I think we all need to be talking about it and normalising these conversations about it. I mean, the, the idea that... that these things are happening and th- and it's not going to affect your life or my life yeah. anytime soon in the next 10 years. I think people are in complete denial. We're absolutely rattling through these songs tonight. What's next on your list? This is Round Round by Sugar Babes, Soul Wax oh, okay. Remix. Sugar Babes, Round Round. That's a Soul Wax remix. Back in the day tune on my Pride playlist on Virgin Radio Pride. Uh, trailblazing author and trans presenter Paris Lees is with me. That was such a great song, that Sugar Babes remix. Um, great to hear that mashup again. Look, I mean, I just love the noughties um, and I love the mashup trend in the noughties and this really reminds me of my friend that I was talking about she's she's called Lady Di in the book but right she's, yes she's of called course Steffi in real life and she's just uh she's just she's just incredibly cool how and did you meet 
Well, there, I mean, there is a story. She, so she she was in the club and um, she was wearing like a top that said, uh, it had like the Pepsi logo on it, but it said sexy. Right. And um, she was wearing like sort of like ripped jeans and a bandana and she was very sort of like androgynous and sort of like didn't, you know, I we might we might call her non-binary to, to today. Um, she she I, I and I just went up to her and said, "Excuse me, I'm not being rude, but are you a man or a woman?" And I wouldn't necessarily say that that was a very polite question. Because that 20, could be really contentious I now. Mean, I wouldn't be over the moon if somebody asked me that. But um, you know, I was like 14. Like I didn't, yeah. you know, from a small town. Like I just never met anybody like that before. And she, and I she just said um, I don't know dark, wow. and I thought okay right this I've never met anybody like you before. Did you connect straight away? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't know necessarily. I, I did, obviously I was drawn. I, I didn't. It wasn't that simple of oh I've met another trans person. I wouldn't have articulated it in yeah. those terms. But obviously I knew that this was my sister. You know, yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, and just she just you know I talk to her all, all the time on the phone now, and she I I think do you know the sweetest thing about putting this book out is that I feel that I've put our story out there. Right, she's a really important part of it, and she really supports what I'm doing. And I I couldn't have published it if she wasn't actually happy about having those stories out there, and 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 she's really excited about about it being out there and about our lives being documented in that way so i feel like i feel like i've shared our story yeah you know and i feel like our stories don't get told because because we don't matter you know so you don't hear we were out there you know everybody's like getting upset thinking like oh trans is just a thing that just turned up like a couple of years ago we were there yeah you know we we were doing our thing we were living our lives you just didn't know about us what yeah yeah i've got a couple of quick quick like almost quick fire questions i haven't asked you so far when did you first learn of the term trans or felt comfortable saying that you are trans when did that happen well, I guess it was around about that time when I was going into gay clubs and things and, you know, she she would... I think we would use the term transsexual or T-girl or, yeah. or so embarrassing thinking about all of the sort of words. But actually it was when I was a student in Brighton, I remember reading a newsletter from a charity and it said trans woman. And I was like, oh, I like that because, like, you know, it's actually saying that I'm a woman. I'm just a different type of woman. Yeah. You know, and it's... It's acknowledging the fact that I'm trans. Like, obviously, I'm not a woman in the way that my mum's a woman. I'm a different kind of woman. I would, you know, it was a different route to to, to getting there. But it, it, you know, it's not denying where I've come from. But it's it's still saying, yeah, like a like a black woman or yeah. a, a gay woman or a tall woman or it's just it's just an adjective. You you're a woman, but you're a trans woman, and I really like that because I I guess I'd kind of felt up until that point that I was just like a sort of People would call people. Would, I remember once somebody saying saying to me like, um, "Oh, are you a shemale? A shemale? I mean, it's a, so it's almost like you're this like like this mythical like thing, you know? People not like, understanding, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, listen, we're all finding our way with this. I mean, I didn't have the language to describe it, so yeah. you can't necessarily blame other people for not having the language to describe it. So I think that's what I'd say about all of this. If people feel like it's a bit much, and I think it's a bit much, like it's like all we hear about, let's what these Tory candidates have, have all been talking about trans. I'm like, seriously, is this like the most pressing political issue on on people's lips? But you know, it's just very odd to me because we were always there. It's just that in recent years we've had a bit more visibility mm. and. And we're, 
we're just saying, you know, this this is maybe a nicer way to approach this and include people. And it's it's just a pity that some people seem to have a problem with that, you know, because I think the overwhelming majority of people, trans or otherwise, we just want to live our lives in peace, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. Is it a good thing that people know about it now? You know, that it's more out there. You say, like, with, with people talking about it on news, but it, 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 <laughs> do people understand more than they did 10 years ago? I think it is overall, and I think certainly what we're seeing is that families are being supportive in a way that they weren't when I was growing up, and that's wonderful, because actually those kids won't go through all, all of the stuff that I went through, yeah. and they're much more likely... Quite look, we know that LGBT people are more likely to have addiction, mental health... Um, uh, homelessness, employment issues, and suicide rates, are suicide sky rates. I mean, come on, how many friends? You know, like yeah. have I lost? You know, it's it's, um, and we know that the family rejection is a really big factor in that. I mean, it's not rocket science, is it? If your no. family don't support you, you grow up feeling like you're a laughing stock, or that you're dirty, or you're wrong, or that you're and or all that the you're, shame that you carry. Yeah, that you're yeah shame exactly that you're a problem to other people. Well. How are you going to feel? You're going to feel crap, aren't you? You're going to have less positive outcomes. And, you know, I've cert- certainly had, like, real self-esteem issues because if you, if you grow up being told that there's something wrong with you and that you're a problem, how are you going to feel about yourself? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I just... I do think that's changed. And I think that people have got possibility models and people to look up to. And, you know, we're doing this now. You know, you've got Laverne Cox on the cover of a magazine. You mm-hmm. know, you've got people out there who are taken seriously you have people published by a publisher like penguin in, in bookstores so so at least there is that because when i was growing up it was just sort of i think i mean nadia Romada was the first trans person that i saw of course she wasn't just a subject of a joke i mean yeah. she was a subject of cruel jokes but actually you know she she was a person and that was the first time i'd actually seen a trans person that was real visibility as, as well wasn't it it was crazy and, and in some ways i sort of feel like I mean, I do think it's good that everybody's able to be themselves now, but there is a part of me that was like, I sort of do long for the days when it wasn't like a national obsession. Yeah. It really feels like this country is, is becoming a bit poorly. It's a hot actually. potato of a subject, isn't it? It's, There's it, a lot of heat in it. Don't you think it's weird? Yeah. Like, why are they so obsessed with, like, we're less than 1% of the population. Some estimates put it at like 0.3%. And, and just the amount of time that people spend thinking about it. It's like, even if we were all the terrible things that we said we were, which is just ridiculous. Like, when when it, when has it ever been a tiny group of people that are really causing all of these problems? But let's say that we were. There's so few of us. How much trouble could we cause anyway? It's just, it's just, it's just insane. And it's, and it's really weird knowing that it's, it's me. These conversations, they're literally about me. It's about yeah. whether I personally can go to the toilet yeah. in this country. And it's, it's very upsetting, actually. Mm-hmm. We've got heavy again. We've got heavy again. We've got heavy go, let's again. go back to the music. Every time we get heavy, I look down okay. and there's another storming song okay. to lighten the mood. So what are you, what you going to have? Next up is a band called Bon Voyage Organisation. Yeah. This is my wild card. It's French. So um, it's called Love Soup. Bon 
Voyage organisation. Another expert pit from my guest tonight on my play playlist is Paris Lees. I'm Steve Dania. I just wanted to ask you a really important question now, Paris. If there's someone listening in to our conversation thinking, you know, this is me, I'm in the wrong body, I think I could be trans, what kind of advice could you give? Well, you know, I've been asked this question um, a lot. And I, I would say, you know, to anybody that's feeling like that, just just reach out to somebody that you, you, you feel that you can trust. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of information online now. And, you know, ultimately, if you're feeling that it is something that's more profound and you're lucky enough to have the support of your family, obviously not everybody does. Mm. You know, go, there's no harm in going to speak to somebody who knows what they're talking about. You know, I can't tell you you are or how you feel or, or what's the best thing for you but you know just find somebody that you can trust um and and you know just just talk 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 to them you know don't don't suffer in silence and um i think you know a similar question that i get asked sometimes is is people's you know when i talk about the fact that I'd felt suicidal. People say, what can you do when somebody's in that situation? Mm. And it's, it's a similar question. It's a very well-meaning question. But it's, what are we going to do as a society to change the conditions that lead people to feel like that in the first place? Right. Mm. Um, you know, because for me, it was the fact that I was rejected by my family. Yeah. It was the fact that I was bullied at school. It was the fact that I saw people like me ridiculed and treated as objects of disgust in the in in the media it was the fact that i'd been abused in the street you know face face to violence it was the fact that i'd been messed about by the nhs and i had to walk around for about 18 months not having had the hormones or the counseling which um you know made me feel really self-conscious people would read me as trans um you know i wasn't supported i didn't get the health care and the support that i needed so i'm very clear about what made me feel mm-hmm. suicidal so you know, what can we do about that? And to answer your question, what can we do to make it so that it doesn't matter, you know, if you if you think you might be this or you think you might be that, it doesn't matter because everybody's safe, everybody's protected, nobody's bullied at schools and families just understand that you can't force your kids to be something that they're not. So we're just going to love you however you want to express yourself. And if later down the line when you're older, you want to go down that route, you go properly and you go and see experts who know what they're talking about Mm -hmm. you know um and and it doesn't have to be a big deal unless we make it a big deal you know is is being gay a big deal in 2022 well surprisingly not is it i mean really you know anymore but it would seem but it doesn't have to be does it i mean i'm sure that there are you know like this poor little boy who killed himself i'm sure there are people it's still very much the dark old days for them you know if you if you're living on a council estate in manchester or something you know with a rough dad you know i can imagine that you're just as miserable as i was 20 years ago right but we see all of these families who are just accepting their children now and and then you look back and you you hear all of those horror stories from like the 80s and you know before then and you think well what was that all about Mm. it's just so completely unnecessary what was the big deal just just accept your kids just accept them you know Uh, yeah have you spoken to uh younger trans people and asked the story is there a better support network around now um would people be more understanding uh, the is the nhs dealing with it better well no i mean the nhs is not dealing with it better people are having to wait up to four years for an appointment at the 
gender identity services for young people mm. and what's happening is if they let's say they're getting referred when they're sort of like 12 13 mm. they're waiting to be seen if they turn 16 they're then discharged from that clinic and then they have to re-enroll at the adult gender identity clinic which is another you know series of hoops to jump through so and another years way, and years and years it's, to... it's absolutely ridiculous wow. it, the nhs is completely failing these these this community and 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 that was my experience and and then and then on top of that to read you know that that kids are being coerced into this or they're being you know frog marched off for sex changes just because they pick up a barbie or something yeah but it's it's just not happening it's just it's the reality you know so i I was speaking to a couple of teachers actually in my hometown and they tell me that there are kids who are openly out about their identity Mm. now lgbtq kids in my hometown and i don't think that they have no problems but they are having a, a much better and easier time of it than I did and that's really encouraging it's good to hear, isn't it? but then you know I've got a friend and uh, my my best friend from school Rachel you know she's got a friend and the the child was born male mm. and has confided in the mother you know I feel like a girl I want to be a girl and has taken some steps to express themselves in that way but the father's not supportive and is stopping the mother from taking this child to to go and see somebody yeah. you know who knows what they're talking about and so this child is now at the beginning of a male puberty that they don't want to go through and that's so upsetting to me because it was completely unnecessary and then i look at that with the parents of children who was the children of parents who were supported and they're not having to go through that completely unnecessary misery mm. that I went through. And so it's still very frustrating to see people going through something that they do not need to go through um, just because of a lack of awareness and acceptance, yeah. you know. Because puberty is difficult, whatever, isn't it? But this on top must well, be... puberty is horrible. But if, I mean, if, if you really feel like a girl and then your body starts changing and going in the other direction, it's... It's horrible. It's really, 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 really horrible. And people get so hysterical about this. And they say, oh, you know, it's too young. And listen, they, they put them on these 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 blockers and it pauses puberty until mm. these kids and their families, in, in, in conjunction with their healthcare provider, are able to make a decision when they're 16, 17, 18. You know, they're not performing surgeries on under-16s and, in reality, under-18s in this country. So why not just give them some time to decide if this is the right decision for me? And actually, there's loads of kids who have gone through that process who are, you know, in the sort of late 20s, early 30s now. And there's a lot of long-term studies that I think are going to vindicate the, the very rigorous process, you know, because it is a very small minority of people. But for those people like me, it is appropriate, mm. you know, to take to, to take some intervention and when I speak to my mum now, she, you know, they were so against that. I mean, the idea that they'd have taken me to get hormone blockers or something is they wouldn't even let me dress the way that I wanted to dress. Yeah. Whereas now my mum would say, if I knew then what I know now, I would just put you in a dress and let you be happy. And I know that she feels huge regret and, and guilt. And it, and it's awful. It's not just, awful for me it's awful for her it's awful for all the people in my family who 
now see that that was the wrong approach to take with me. And I really believe that if people actually knew what they were doing to people by trying to force them to be something that they're not, I really don't think they'd want to inflict that on somebody that they no, love. I no. really do believe that. And it's why you've got to listen to trans people, you know, because ultimately we know who we are, you yeah, know, yeah. and even from a young age, you know, we, we know who we are. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to make peace with all, all of that? Are you still really angry with it? Have you processed it? Can you ever process it? I think, I think it will affect me for the rest of my life, for sure. I, it was just very traumatic. And mm. I really, I just, I don't think people will really understand it. I just don't, I just don't think they'll get it. Um, and it's why I'm, you know, still talking about it now, today, you know, because I don't want anybody else to go through what I went through. Okay, so what are we going for next? Final song. And it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a sad, it's a bit of a sad one to end on, but... I, I want we've we've kind of been moving forwards in time, and I wanted something that that brings us into the uh, into the present. Yeah. So, I'm I'm kind of obsessed with Moses Summy. Um. So this song, me in twenty years. Yeah. Really, I, it's just really powerful, amazing, and it just reminds me of all the sort of like experimental, sort of like kooky, eccentric artists that I like. It's really dark. It's really vibey. Um. And I I discovered him through the Euphoria soundtrack. Oh, okay. Which, um, it's just so stylish and cool and um, yeah just great 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 soundtrack um, and I he's who would we compare him to I mean he's almost got kind of like a bit of like Kate Bush a bit of day. he's like mm. those kind of like old school artists but he's there's definitely because I love Frank Ocean so there's a bit of but he's definitely he's, he's very much his own He's, he reminds me of lots of different things that I like and love about other artists, but he's he's just really cool. He just looks cool, and he's just um, he just I love I love a singer that actually sings from their pain. Yeah, you, know? you can hear the the emotion. It's, can't it's, you? it's, it's real. Like, that's what I love. That's what I love about. That's what I love about Frank Ocean. It's what I love about Annie Lennox. There's just certain artists where it's like you're not singing this to be cool or to be a trend. Or it's like you needed to sing this. Yeah, you just you you just you have to sing. Yeah, and I I, I connect to that authenticity, and I and I really like this idea of of me in twenty years, and I think po- possibly because I've been spending so much of time thinking about twenty years ago that. I am the me in 20 years. Well, I've got to ask you, though. I can't you not know. ask you this. How do you? How would you like to see yourself in 20 years? Will you still be doing this? Well, I... I, I see, cause Will there be four more books? Because I'm in because I'm in that mindset, I'm actually looking at me now from, from that perspective. So I'm, I feel like I am looking at me in 20 years, right. if, that, if that makes any kind of sense. <laughs> uh, it's all a bit confusing. Um, I've got big plans, I'll say. I've only just got started with this book and I've got there's more story to tell and there's more storytelling and more creative ways of telling a story to explore so much for listening in that was the my pride playlist pridecast and make sure you subscribe to hear loads more good stuff from virgin radio pride the virgin radio pridecast proudly supported by disney plus full of stories and love for all 